Praise the Lord, everyone. What a time we're having in the house of the Lord. God has been blessing, He's been ministering, He's been speaking, He's been answering prayers. I believe that there has already been prayers that have been answered in this service. This service did not answer the prayers. The God of the service answered the prayers. The God of the universe answered the prayers. But without asking, without requesting of him and saying, Lord, as my wife said, the two words, help me, there would be no answered prayers. For God responds to his children. And when his children begin to lift their hands and lift their voices and cry from their heart, the scripture says that he hears his children's cry. He told Moses, I have heard the cries of my people, and I'm sending you to bring them out. But God has sent his spirit among his children, and it is the overcomer. It is what will bring us out. The hand of the Lord is in this place. The Spirit of the Lord is in this house. Lord, I am thankful for what you've done so far. And, and I know that it's typical sometimes that when the Spirit of God moves early in a service or interrupts our program, that sometimes we just come up here and we begin to preach. And I asked the Lord if he wanted me to, and, and I felt him tell me to wait, and so I did. But um, I believe that everything has been in the proper order. I believe that God has been speaking and ministering, but he's not quite yet done. And so if you have your Bibles, if you'd stand with me for the reading of the word, I would like to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7, and I would like to read two verses, verse 8 and 9 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. I will be reading from the English Standard Version. 2 Samuel, chapter 7. I repeat that a lot, because I'm the guy that can never remember. A lot of preachers get up here, and they say it so quick, I'm like, I, don't, I didn't even hear what they said. I'm a little slow when it comes to numbers. So all our young preachers, I've told them, repeat that, repeat that, repeat that. For nobody else's sake, but mine. And, and well a little bit and give people time to turn there because we want people to find it in the Word of God. I know it's on the screens, but we want people to be in the habit of opening their Bible and finding it. So 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8. Now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And in verse 9, And I have been with you wherever you went, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. Bishop, will you pray? Amen. You can be seated. I've titled this message. I, I actually got the idea from Bishop. He was speaking um, the other day, 
And I want to call this message rubber mats. And we'll, we'll bring it around so you'll understand what that means. But I'm going to preach a rubber mat message. But our scriptures that we opened with in 2 Samuel, it says, and I'm going to read them again. I just, I, I use a lot of, if you're new here, you're visiting, I use a lot of scripture. It says, now therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. He is, the Lord is telling David this after David has already done many of these things. This is a declaration of the things that God has done. My wife was in the mind of the Spirit when she was talking about um, the question that I asked her. And we didn't plan that. I didn't have notes when I asked her that. I just asked her. And I said, if, if we, we were talking about our younger years. I said, if we go back, what would we tell our younger self? And I didn't really, there was no preemptive motivation there, but God began to work from that that conversation that we had through her earlier and even in this message that these are the things being told to David after the things had already occurred in David most of these David was already when this was said was already king of Israel and Judah David had already slain Goliath David had already done great works against the Philistines the Jebusites the Amorites he had fought. David had already conquered foe. He had already survived his father-in-law's wrath, his father-in-law's jealousy. David had already seen the hand of God upon his life. And now the prophet Nathan was going to go to him and begin to tell him these things. For Nathan had visited him before. And we'll cover that in a minute. But now he was going to tell David. And he was going to say, David, this is what God says, that God has taken you from the pasture and from following the sheep that you should be prince over the people of Israel. But that had already occurred. But yet he was saying this as a reminder of what God had done. When my wife and I were talking, I said to her, I said, what I would go back and I would tell the younger Joshua, because we were talking about my son and the things we went through. I said, I would tell him, don't cry a tear. Don't waste a moment in depression. Don't waste an ounce of energy in worry. Don't you give in to the fear. Don't you run from this problem. This is what I would tell the younger Josh. Because what you don't know in the future is what God is giving you is going to be one of the greatest miracles, the greatest influences, the greatest things that could ever happen in your life. That you would never, you will never regret it. You'll never want to go back and change it. What you'll begin to understand is that God does all things well to them that love the Lord. That God has got it in control even when it seems like it's in chaos. My God knows what He's doing from the very beginning. But we only see what's right in front of us. And sometimes even down the road, we forget where God has brought us from. David was a man just like every other man. He, he, 
He got up just the same way we get up. He has the same fears we got up. And God did victory after victory after victory for that man. But yet he still needed the confirmation of the Lord that yes, what you saw, yes, what you felt, you're not crazy, you're not senile, that really happened. You stepped out onto the field. It's easy for us to read the story of Goliath and say God was all over that. Without God, that wouldn't have happened. That's easy for us to see because we read it in the Word of God. But how many miracles has God done in our past, and yet at the time we claimed it as God, down the road in the future, sometimes we're like, but what's it just coincidence? Am I the only one that's done that? Am I the only one that's backtracked on a miracle a couple times? Because once the honeymoon's over and you get down the road, sometimes it's easy to get in your flesh again, and you're like, well, maybe that was just a really good coincidence. I'm probably telling on some people right now. You're like, no, that's called humanity. That's called we dance in the moment and we give praise in the moment and we give worship in the moment and we proclaim faith in the moment. But several moments later, we get ornery and we get doubtful and we get irritable and we have mental health days. And sometimes we're not in the right mindset and sometimes we're beside ourselves and sometimes we're just a bad person or a mean attitude or we're just having a, a really bad look and we doubt the things that God had done and sometimes we need to come to a place in God where he sits us down and he says remember when remember when I remember when I did this remember when I went before remember when I provided remember when I healed remember when I strengthened remember when I forgave oh Lord I knew it all along God I knew it from the very beginning. Lord, I doubt it at times, and I say I'm sorry. But, oh, Lord, let it be said that you are Lord of Lords and King of Kings and the lover of my heart. Oh, you all ought to be on your feet right now saying, I remember, God, what you did. God, I remember where you went before me. I remember when you came through for me. I remember when you provided I want to take a moment and say, Lord, hallelujah. Oh, Lord, I remember. God, I remember. Lord, I remember. God, I remember. God, I remember. Lord, it was because of you. Only by you. Only from you. Only through you. <laughs> I'll make you the same deal that Bishop always makes. Stand when you want. Sit when you want. Run when you want. Jump when you want. Shout amen every time. You know, David, he's a fan of many because he's got a very colorful story. 
that I think that most of us can relate to at some point in time. Most of us can identify with some part of his life. And I think one of the greatest parts of David's life is because a man that is so wonderful had such glaring flaws and such horrible acts of sin. Murder was among them. Murder, adultery. Those are horrible things. And yet this great man of God that held an office in God committed those. And a part of the appeal is we see that God didn't remove him from his office because of those. Oh, he suffered. He repented. But in that we see a form of redemption that's very attractive. Because when we look at his life, I think all of us can identify with times that we were worthy to have everything stripped from us. That we were worthy to be cast out because of our sins. But because the same God that redeemed David and the same God that had mercy on the man David, the same God that gave second and third chances to the king of Israel, is the same God that changes not. The same God that was yesterday, today, and forever. My Redeemer. My Forgiver. My God of second chances. You see, the truth of the matter of our entire walk with God is we seem to spend every day trying to go farther in God just to return to the first day we ever met God. Bishop, you, you told the story how God came through for you and He gave you the, the red car with the white top and you didn't have to buy the icky green in your words. You remember that? But you, you made a statement and the Holy Ghost instantly spoke to me. and It wasn't what you were talking about, but this is how God works. He said it was really the good car that didn't have the rubber mats, had the carpet mats. And instantly my mind was provoked in the Holy Ghost. And I said, yeah, but do you know how many dealerships I've worked at when I was a young kid? I was the new car prep in California when I was at Bible College. I was a car porter at Alcera. I worked at two dealerships, both in getting cars ready. And you know how many cars I worked at, at Maxi's Car Wash? Brother Don, you got me that job at 16 years old. And I cleaned Corvettes. I cleaned Cadillacs. I cleaned all kinds of vehicles. Do you know how many brand new cars, upscale cars, Corvettes, that has the fancy carpet mats. And what the owner instantly did was went and bought a rubber mat to put on the carpet mat to not stain it. You see, we've, we've, all my vehicles that I cared about, I never used the carpet mat. You would get it dirty. You would stain it. We live in Michigan. You get in there and you'll have salt crystals all over. 
So we spend the whole time wanting the better, the carpet mats, only to return to what makes sense. Carpet mats in a car do not make sense. It's a sign that that's a nice vehicle. But the reality is nobody wants carpet mats. Come on now. And I know there's somebody out here sitting there saying, I use carpet mats. The majority of people do not. Because there is something within us that even though we strive for the best we can get, we always come back to reality. And we spend all day all week long, trying to do great things in God and trying to see the great things of God done in us. And that's good. That is the will of God. That is what drives man. But when it's all said and done, when all this world passes away and everything is either in the Lamb's book of life or cast into the fire, when it's all over, it's going to return to one thing. God's love for us and our love for Him. I enjoyed the ride you gave me, Lord, and I didn't want it to get dirty. So I went back to my first car and I put rubber mats back in it. I appreciate the blessing of the carpet mats, but I really want the rubber mats because there is cleanliness. We're, we're going to go somewhere. As Bishop said, I'm going to drive this car and park it in your garage and honk the horn. He's never done that for me. He honks the horn out in the driveway. You see, David was all these things that God said. I will take you from the pasture and I will make you a prince over man. And David did amazing things. David killed Goliath. David had victories over the Philistines numerous times. David united the two tribes, or the two divisions of Israel, Judah and the northern kingdoms. He's the one that united it, not Saul. David also established trade agreements with nations and created an economy and a wealth that was furthered by Solomon. Everybody puts the wealth of Solomon like Solomon did it. David laid the framework. David made the trade negotiations. He didn't have NAFTA either. Thank God. Brother Kenny, we're leaving politics out of it. But David did all that. David's the one that brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. But before he could take it to Jerusalem, he had to go in and defeat the Jebusites that occupied Jerusalem. So the wars and the victories and the accolades that David had done, all was making David's train become quite long and quite lengthy. The badges of honor, the praises of the people, the psalms that were written about him, the songs that were sang about him, 
the people who adored him, the people that respected him, the people that served with loyal minds and blind faith, all of that is attributed to the hand of God on David. But when David went the second time and he grabbed the Ark of the Covenant and David was bringing it home, it came to a place where the rubber met the road. If you would, that the carpet mats got left behind and he put the rubber mats back in where it mattered. And David began to strip off the kingly robes and all the accolades. And it says he went down to a linen ephod that was plain, that wasn't exorbitant, that didn't declare a king, but was just a common man. And the common man went back to when he was a shepherd boy and began to dance before the Lord and began to sing before the Lord and began to worship before the Lord because all the victories, all the accolades, all the triumphs, all the miracles, when it came right down to it, the one thing that David wanted was to be in the presence of God. Folks, I'm so proud of this church, and I know you do wonderful things, and Bishop even mentioned the wonderful giving that saints have done in this church. We appreciate that. But when it comes right down to it, it's not the money we want. It's not the talent we want. It's not the gifts we want. What we want is more of God. Lord, I might be pastor of this church, but all I want to be is a man in the altar worshiping before you. Oh, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I magnify you. God, I exalt you. <laughs> Woo! Lord, I remember, I remember, and I'm thankful, but Lord, I remember what it was like before when all I had to do is say, bless God, blessed is the lover of my soul, blessed is the king of my heart, blessed is the savior, blessed is my redeemer. The blessings of God can sometimes turn into a burden. God, I want a new car. Bishop got a Cadillac. And it's a blessing. But the repair bill's a burden. Brother Dan, that's not taken away for what your father did, so please understand what I'm saying. We say, God, give me a big home. And that electric and gas bill is a burden. God, give me raises at work. That new tax bracket's a burden. You mean I make $10,000 more a year? Nope, probably more like three, because now seven of that is into the taxes. I make more so I can pay taxes more. 
you know my heart. He does. I am not saying stop blessing. I'm not saying I don't want the blessings. But I'm trying to say we need to sometimes go back to when we had rubber mats in the car. And God, I'm thankful for the new cars. I'm thankful for the many blessings. I'm thankful for all that you have done. And I'm thankful for all that you have planned and in store for me. But God, I need you to know this. That more important to me is any vehicle. More important than any house. More important than any paycheck. More important than any wall or, or accolade on a wall. More important than all of that is that you know my name. I don't want to be a stranger in the throne room of God that he has to remember my name. I want him to know my name. God is calling his children back to that time to bring the presence of God into our houses. Lord, I'm thankful for the blessings, but God, I worship you like I was the first time I ever called your name. Song, the older song they sing says, Lord, take me back, right, to that old landmark. We spend our whole life trying to move forward, and then we say, God, take me back. Take me back to the place I once knew you. calling this world back to that place. You see, David, after God had said, I'm going to do all these things, David did what David should not have done. David committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he murdered her husband, cover it up, pregnancy and that prophet Nathan got a directive from the Lord and said go visit David and tell him these things and that prophet went and he began to speak to David and David when he heard and then he recognized that he had greatly erred before God and greatly sinned before the Lord. David repented of his sin. David acknowledged his sin. He didn't deny it. He didn't try to run from it. He knew he was caught. He knew it was over. And instead of justifying his reasons, Instead of trying to make false claims that he was king and he could do what he wanted. All of a sudden he realized the office of being king wasn't going to save him. The victory over Goliath wasn't going to keep him. But David, the word says, had a heart after God. 
God's heart. Not in the murder and adultery. But in the humbleness of saying, God, forgive me. David wrote this psalm after that event. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy. Blot out my transgression. Psalm 51.2 Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you might be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold... You delight in truth and in the inward being. And you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with the hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. David spent his life trying to be king, and then he spent his life being king. And when he was all those things, he went back to where it started, and he said, Lord, I've got broken bones in me. Put them back together, and Lord, create in me. Lord, take me back to that old landmark. Lord, Create in me a clean heart. Renew within me a right spirit. You mean all of these victories and all of these parades and all of these accolades and all of these accomplishments, David, what it really came down to is a man, a boy that had become king and who was still just a broken man that had to fall on his face and say, God, I got to make it right. God, I got to get right. God, I got to get back to it. Somebody's here today and you've been driving too long with carpet mat.
your feet, you'd see the dirt. You'd see the stains. You'd see the hole that's worn in the carpet from your heel hitting that gas pedal and that brake pedal. But let's be honest, we don't like looking down too much. We're trying to keep our eyes on the road and we're ignoring the dirt that we're sitting in. come so far in God. Yes, you have. He's brought me such a mighty long way. Yes, he has. But we're still sitting there with holes in the carpet. Because what really matters is being cleansed in the blood of the Lamb. Listen, somebody's in this house right now. And this suit doesn't mean anything to you. And this tie doesn't mean anything to you. And this drums behind me doesn't mean anything to you. The wonderful gifts that Sister Pam wrapped and put on here, and I appreciate it, but it's not doing anything for you. Because those gifts aren't going to forgive your sins. And this suit isn't going to wash away the stains. And those drums aren't going to drown out the pain. Because the journey you've been on has been in the Lord. But what it started with was just you and the Lord. And all the other stuff, all the blessings has turned into a burden. And we have forgotten that we didn't make ourselves kings and queens. The name on our forehead makes us the children of God. Brother Eloy, I feel the Holy Ghost. God's given you the talent to play and to play and to play in abundance. But all of that can be a burden in your life if you don't ever find the altar call. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to you. We can always play through the altar call. But at some point, we've got to find the altar call. I'm driving through. Well, Eli, I'm just using you at this point, but you're not. Don't, don't look at him. I'm just, he's, he's playing, man. This is what his calling is. This is the blessing for this church, right? His blessing is his burden. You see, he's playing blessing all of you. So you can cry and you can weep and you can, you can feel the goodness of the Spirit. But Brother Eloy, going through things, is just up here pounding away. While everybody else is at the altar worshiping. The musicians are up here in a burden pouring themselves out, giving of themselves, while everybody down here is a receiver. You see, God strengthens them to do that. But not all the time. 
that there will come moments and there will come a season where you've got to stop pounding the ivory and start getting in the carpet. Brother Eloy, I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to pick on your father-in-law. Brother Al, you're an usher. You do a great thing in this church. You do wonderful things. You're an ambassador for the Lord. You greet people. You meet people. You take care of their needs. You pull cars around. You park cars. You do anything that's asked of you. you got a heart of a servant. But hear me, ushers. The office that you sit on on the back row, they don't sit on the back rows because they're backslid. They sit in the back because they're watching the congregation for needs. But ushers, at some service, at some point in time, you've got to find the altar. The sound booth has got to find the altar. And I'll include my office as well. I can preach every sermon. I can keep talking and teaching and preaching and preaching and preaching. But sometime the bishop and the pastor has got to find the altar. Dad, when we come before God, I know you hold the office of bishop and I hold the office of pastor. But it don't mean very much when we come into the throne room. He doesn't look and think, oh, Josh Aaron and Jerry Stone are mighty men of God. He looks at us and says, man, what a mighty work I did in that. There's nothing good within us except the Holy Ghost. Everything we do, God, is for you. Everything we do is because of you. God, I don't want to focus on everything that goes wrong. I want to give credit for the things that went right. God, I don't want to focus on the year of COVID. What I want to focus on is that your power brought us through the pandemic. If the musicians would come, Brother Eli, come to your burden. You know what, Brother Eloy? No, not today. Seriously, not today. Brother Eloy is getting a service for himself. I feel you need it. And if you don't, just fake it. Please don't, don't expose me. Brother Eloy, I am not, I am not punishing you or anything. You have given so much to this music department and this church, our youth department. It's, it's un... Come on, give him a standing ovation. He deserves it. But Brother Eloy, I know that you guys have been going through a hard time. But playing for our burden isn't going to cut it. I'm inviting you to be first. You get first in the line today.
You get first dibs at the Holy Ghost. You get first dibs in the throne room. I want everybody to point their hands towards this precious man of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would open up the doors and windows of heaven. You would begin to heap upon his head boundless blessings and mercy and strength. I'm opening this altar for everybody that wants to start putting the rubber mat back in the car and saying, God, I'm going to clean up this ride and I'm getting back to Calvary. I'm getting back to where it was just me and you. I'm getting back to when it was easy to talk to you, when it was easy to hear from you. It was easy to worship you, God. Lord, I'm coming home today. Lord, I'm coming back to you today. Lord, I'm going to find that place in you that I once dwelt.